Hello, friends. It's June 29th, and we can thank God for His mercies that are new every morning and His promises that are unfailing. This is the one-year Bible tour guide where we read through the Bible each year with daily portions from both the Old and New Testaments, as well as a daily psalm and a nugget from the book of Proverbs. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is my intention to be a helper of your joy as we take these daily excursions through the biblical text and point out details that you don't want to miss. The objective of this podcast is not merely to give you knowledge about God, but hopefully introduce or enhance a relationship with God as your faith is directed to the trustworthiness of His Word. We are thankful that Jesus is the living Word. He is the truth about God personified, and you can anchor your faith upon His faithfulness. In Him, not one promise falls to the ground. We are reading from a section of the Old Testament known as the historical books that record the tragic departure of human leaders from the revelation of God's will. There is an unbroken string of evil kings in the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah is not much better, though there are occasions when these kings do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, though as we can see, they are quite fallible and in need of a Savior, and so are we. Let's go to the book of Second Kings, and we will begin with chapter 15 as we read of the reign of King Azariah in the southern kingdom of Judah. Azariah is also known as King Uzziah. The name Azariah means the Lord has helped, and Uzziah means the Lord is my strength. And we will see that the help and strength of the Lord was on display for a good part of the reign of this king. But as often is the case, he grew careless toward the end of his days. Oh, that we would all learn to continue in God's word. We pick up the historical narrative in Second Kings chapter 15, and we will read to the end of chapter 16. Second Kings chapter 15, Azariah reigns in Judah. Verse 1. In the twenty-seventh year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Azariah the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was sixteen years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty-two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. And the Lord touched the king, so that he was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house. And Jotham the king's son was over the household, governing the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Azariah, and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Azariah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And Jotham his son reigned in his place." In the thirty-eighth year of Azariah king of Judah, Zechariah the son of Jeroboam reigned over Israel in Samaria six months, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. Shalom the son of Jabesh conspired against him and struck him down at Ibliam, and put him to death and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the deeds of Zechariah, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the promise of the Lord that he gave to Jehu, Your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. And so it came to pass. Shalom reigns in Israel. Shalom the son of Jabesh 
began to reign in the thirty-ninth year of Uzziah king of Judah, and he reigned one month in Samaria. Then Menahem, the son of Gadi, came up from Terzah and came to Samaria. And he struck down Shalom, the son of Jabesh, in Samaria, and put him to death and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the deeds of Shalom and the conspiracy that he made, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. At that time Menahem sacked Tifsa and all who were in it and its territory from Terzah on, because they did not open it to him. Therefore he sacked it, and he ripped open all the women in it who were pregnant. In the thirty-ninth year of Azariah king of Judah, Menahem, the son of Gadi, began to reign over Israel, and he reigned ten years in Samaria. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. Pul, the king of Assyria, came against the land, and Menahem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver that he might help him to confirm his hold on the royal power. Menahem exacted the money from Israel, that is, from all the wealthy men, fifty shekels of silver from every man, to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now the rest of the deeds of Menahem and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Menahem slept with his fathers, and Pekahiah his son reigned in his place. Pekahiah reigns in Israel. In the fiftieth year of Azariah king of Judah, Pekahiah the son of Menahem began to reign over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned two years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. And Pekah the son of Remaliah, his captain, conspired against him with fifty men of the people of Gilead, and struck him down in Samaria, in the citadel of the king's house, with Argob and Aria. He put him to death, and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the deeds of Pekahiah, and all that he did, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Pekah reigns in Israel. In the fifty-second year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, began to reign over Israel in Samaria, and he reigned twenty years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and captured Ejon, Abel, Beth Maacah, Janoah, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the lands of Naphtali, and he carried the people captive to Assyria. Then Hoshea, the son of Elah, made a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Remaliah, and struck him down and put him to death, and reigned in his place, in the twentieth year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did, behold, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. Jotham reigns in Judah. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. He was twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. 
he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In those days the Lord began to send Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, against Judah. Jotham slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father, and Ahaz his son reigned in his place. Chapter 16. Ahaz Reigns in Judah. In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaz was twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war on Jerusalem, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. At that time Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Elath for Syria, and drove the men of Judah from Elath, and the Edomites came to Elath, where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your son. Come up and rescue me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel, who are attacking me. Ahaz also took the silver and the gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria listened to him. The king of Assyria marched up against Damascus and took it, carrying its people captive to Kir, and he killed Rezin. When king Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, he saw the altar that was at Damascus. And king Ahaz sent to Uriah the priest a model of the altar and its pattern, exact in all its details. And Uriah the priest built the altar in accordance with all that king Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Uriah the priest made it before king Ahaz arrived from Damascus. And when the king came from Damascus, the king viewed the altar. Then the king drew near to the altar and went up on it and burned his burnt offering and his grain offering and poured his drink offering and threw the blood of his peace offerings on the altar. And the bronze altar that was before the Lord he removed from the front of the house, from the place between his altar and the house of the Lord, and put it on the north side of his altar. And king Ahaz commanded Uriah the priest, saying, On the great altar burn the morning burnt offering and the evening grain offering and the king's burnt offering and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land and their grain offering and their drink offering and throw on it all the blood of the burnt offering and all the blood of the sacrifice. But the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Uriah the priest did all this as King Ahaz commanded. And King Ahaz cut off the frames of the stands and removed the basin from them. And he took down the sea from off the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on a stone pedestal. And the covered way for the Sabbath that had been built inside the house and the outer entrance for the king he caused to go around the house of the Lord because of the king of Assyria. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaz that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And Ahaz slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, 
and Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. And this concludes today's reading from the Old Testament book of 2 Kings. We'll read about King Hezekiah tomorrow. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. We began our reading with an account of the reign of Azariah, also called Uzziah, in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 13 and verse 30. He is the son of Amaziah and Jechaliah. At the age of 16, he begins his 52-year reign as king of Judah. Like his father, Amaziah, written about in chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, Azariah offers a compromised obedience. He is credited for doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord, rightly relating to God through faith in the promise, yet he fails to confront the prevailing idolatries of his times. The high places were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices there. In 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 4, How easily people commit spiritual adultery against their betrothed bridegroom. They profess faith in the risen Christ, but they participate in pagan idolatries. They easily accommodate practices that are inextricably bound to false belief systems, like yoga of Hinduism or New Age doctrines that put self in the center of their worship. We will read more about Azariah, otherwise known as Uzziah, in Second Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah saw the beginning of the prophet Isaiah's ministry. We learned that he grew in pride and had to withdraw from royal duties when the Lord afflicted him with leprosy in his later years, in Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 21. He had to be quarantined and relieved of his royal duties. The northern kingdom of Israel continues to have a string of kings that do what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. They disregard the instruction of his word and pursue their self-styled religion, continuing in the practice commenced by Jeroboam, the worship of golden calves at Bethel and Dan. King Zechariah, son of Jeroboam II, reigns for six months and is assassinated by Shalom, whose reign lasts for only one month before he is killed. This fact highlights the vanity of people's lust for power. Shalom had great hopes for a long successful reign as king and went to a great effort to publicly assassinate the existing leadership. In a month's time he was assassinated by Menahem, who succeeded him as king. The horrors of Menahem's proud and rebellious reign are made clear through his loathsome deeds, such as tearing open all the pregnant women. He appeased his oppressor, Pul, the king of Assyria, by giving him a thousand talents of silver, which he exacted through his wealthier citizens. Menahem reigns for ten years and is succeeded by his son, Pekahiah, who reigns for two years before being assassinated by one of his chief officers, Pekah. Pekah reigned for twenty years and is assassinated by Hoshea, son of Elah. During Pekah's second year, the southern kingdom of Judah experiences a transfer of power from King Uzziah to his son Jotham. This is the year that Isaiah had a vision of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Jotham reigns for sixteen years. During Jotham's years, both King Rezin of Aram, Syria, and King Pekah of Israel attacked Judah but were not able to overcome Jerusalem. Ahaz succeeded Jotham as king of Judah in the seventeenth year of Pekah. He is one of the kings of Judah that did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He adopted the pagan religions of the northern kingdom of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 3. 
King Ahaz appeals to Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria, when attacked by both Syria and Israel, offering him as a gift the silver and gold and treasuries of the temple. The king of Assyria complies and kills King Rezin of Aram in Damascus. In Damascus, King Ahaz sees a pagan altar and wants to have one like it in Jerusalem. He moved the God-ordained bronze altar to the north side of the temple to make way for the new altar that he had coveted from his pagan neighbors. King Ahaz remodels the temple of the Lord according to his own design rather than according to the word of the Lord. God mercifully provided Judah with another king who will be a significant improvement, Hezekiah, and we will read about him tomorrow. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament the book of Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 41. The book of Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to fifty thousand pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. A Riot at Ephesus Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades, and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him, and even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward, 
and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is temple-keeper of the great Artemis, and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing, then, that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here, who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, therefore, Demetrius and the craftsmen with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. And this is the end of our reading from today's portion from the New Testament in the book of Acts. Now let's take a few moments to make some observations. Our reading began with the account of the seven sons of Sceva, men who claimed to be able to drive out evil spirits. When they attempt to do so, using the name of Jesus as if it were a magic pass to accomplish anything they desire, they find themselves overpowered. It is a reverse exorcism. Instead of taking authority over the demons, the demons overtake them. It is a picture of the enemy's desire to destroy. The seven sons of Sceva, attacked by demons, left the house humiliated, naked, and bleeding from their defeat. The evil spirit answered, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? This begs the question, is our name known in hell? Certainly, the name of Jesus is, and so are the names of Jesus' true followers, such as Paul. Are we any threat to the work of the devil? Quite a revival takes place in Ephesus during Paul's three-year tenure there. The name of the Lord Jesus is glorified and approximately six million dollars worth of occult material is burned. The idol-making business of Demetrius, a silversmith, is threatened by the Christian revival. He stirs up dissension, rightly claiming that Paul's preaching is discrediting their business. With the chant, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians, they stir the whole city into an uproar. Paul's companions, Gaius and Aristarchus, are dragged into the theater. Paul wants to speak to the crowd, but his friends deter him. The city clerk intervenes and calms down the crowd by publicly affirming his loyalty to the false god Artemis, otherwise known as Diana, of the Ephesians. We will read more about Paul's work in Ephesus tomorrow. Now let's go to today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 147, verses 1 through 20. He heals the brokenhearted. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. 
Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. The psalmist praises God for his fatherly care. God heals the brokenhearted. Psalm 147 verse 3. What does the Lord delight in? Our natural strength? No. Our faith. The Lord delights in those who fear Him. In Psalm 147, verse 11. People pay to have stars named after themselves or their loved ones, yet God has already named every one of them. In verse 4, not only is He our protector, but He is our provider. He is the only one who can provide for us true and lasting peace. In verse 14, and it will be on the center stage of redemption, Jerusalem, the city of peace, where God will make peace on our behalf through the perfect once-and-for-all atoning sacrifice of His Son on Mount Calvary. Cherish the Lord's special revelation. He has revealed His word to Jacob, His laws and decrees to Israel. God gave special revelation of His plan of salvation to the Jews. Jesus explained this to the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4, verse 22, when He said to her, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. We are saved through a Jewish Messiah. The Apostle Paul echoes this truth. The gospel is from the Jews and to the Jew first. The Jews have the oracles of God in Romans chapter 9 verse 4. Through them we have the written word and the living word. He has done this to no other nation. They do not know his laws. In Psalm 147 verse 2. He has revealed his word to you also. What will you do with this privilege? Now let's go to the book of Proverbs and get our daily nugget of wisdom from Proverbs 18, verses 4 and 5. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. If our words are rooted in the wisdom of God's word, they will convey that they are profound in nature and derived from an ever-flowing source. Throughout the Bible, we are consistently warned to uphold true justice by not showing partiality. To withhold justice or to impose a fine on a righteous man is not good, in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 26, nor is it right to favor the wicked. Now let's ask the Lord to seal these truths to our hearts in prayer. Father, we want to be presented to your Son, our heavenly Bridegroom, as a chaste virgin, not given to the adulterous practices of our age. Help us to hold fast to our profession of devotion to Him. We ask that Your Holy Spirit instruct us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Help us to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, knowing that it is You who work in us what is pleasing to You. May it not be said of us that we failed to remove the high places of idolatries in our lives. Give us boldness to share the gospel even if it angers the idol manufacturers of our age. We ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, this concludes our Bible trek today. Thanks for joining with us today, and we hope that you can be with us tomorrow. We will continue our reading in 2 Kings and also the book of Acts. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to receive a written copy of our commentary with the charts and maps and illustrations, you can freely subscribe at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the peace of the Lord be yours in abundance. Shalom. Shalom.